everyone. Welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Tuesday. It is January 21st. It is 2020. We have one basketball game that we're going to talk about. Let's break it down. There's some big showdown contests already posted across the industry. So we're going to break that down. Had some um, Twitter questions. Maybe talk a little racing here. So if you haven't heard, we got some NASCAR coming up here soon. So going to be a shorter podcast today, riding solo. Um, big slate on Monday, big slate on Wednesday. So uh, weird week when it comes to NBA games, just kind of how they have them spread out. So already looking forward to kind of being back on a normal schedule um, next week. So appreciate you guys listening each and every day. Let's get started breaking down this uh, one game slate that we got going on here. We got the Clippers and the Mavs. No total in this game, but I would expect the total to be pretty high in this one. Paul George is out on the Clippers side, and Porzingis is questionable on the Dallas side of things. Um, going to kind of just give a quick overview of each team like I normally do and then kind of talk some roster construction for the showdown slate um, over there on DraftKings. So starting with the Clippers, you know, obviously when we're looking at this matchup here, um, the first thing that stands out is Paul George being out and Kawhi Leonard um, over the last two weeks. With Kawhi Leonard out, um, Kawhi has a 38 – or with Paul George out, sorry. Uh, Kawhi has a 38.6% usage rate. He's averaging 1.74 fantasy points per minute. Massive number there. Um, so that's obviously very interesting. The other thing that's kind of interesting here is Lou Williams – 29.1% usage rate, averaging 1.32 fantasy point per minute. Patrick Beverly averaging over 1.2 fantasy points per minute. This is all over the last two weeks with Paul George out. And then Harrell, 1.18 fantasy points per minute. So those are your four guys that I'd be looking at the most here um, when it comes to the Clippers side of things. You know, Dallas allows the third most fantasy points per game two opposing small forwards. So Kawhi's really in a great spot here. Um, you know, the Clippers play at a faster pace than Dallas does. Over the last three weeks, um, the Clippers are sixth in pace and Dallas is 25th in pace. And this season, um, Clippers are eighth in pace and Dallas is 19th. You know, when you look at it, you have two of the best offensive ratings um, in the NBA, fifth and first. Clippers are fifth, Dallas is first. Um, you know, defensive-wise, both of these teams have been really bad recently defense. Um, not really, really bad, like bottom five. Well, Dallas is 25th in defensive rating over the last three weeks. Um, a lot of that has to do with Porzingis being out. Uh, Porzingis is like sixth or seventh in um defensive real plus minus this season so you know he's obviously a guy that makes an impact on the offensive side but he definitely makes an impact on the defensive side of things too so i really like this spot for Kawhi. i think lou williams is another guy that you really want to be looking at here um harrell and beverly all very much in play outside of that though i don't really have a ton of interest um you know zubox pretty cheap um Outside of that, like, you know, none of these guys towards the bottom play a ton of minutes, so I just don't really expect, um, you know, any of these guys to be difference makers. Shamit plays, like, 30 minutes. He's 3,000, which is really cheap for a showdown slate. So, like, he's technically in play as far as value goes. J. 
just because he's going to play a bunch of minutes and he is so cheap. So I think he's a guy that you could potentially look at. McGruder played 32 minutes last game. Um, he started that game. So if Mo Harkless ends up sitting, which it sounds like he's expected to play, um, you know, then McGruder would be interesting. Harkless plays. He's 3,800. I would much rather him sit and play McGruder at 1,400 bucks. And then on the Dallas side of things here, like, you know, obviously Luca, you know, we don't have to get into it too much. The guy's a monster. He's at, He's averaging 1.61 fantasy points per minute, 37.5% usage rate um, with Porzingis off over the last two weeks. You know, as far as the Clippers go, like I said, 19th in defensive rating over the last three weeks. This is a big pace up up spot for Dallas, um, you know, 25th compared to six over the last three weeks. So that's, that's a big number there. Both of these teams, very good rebound in the basketball. You know, as far as the Clippers go, they're very middle of the road um, as far as fantasy points allowed per position. Um, they allow quite a few fantasy points to center, but um, outside of that, not really anything that notes or that we should note here. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. over averaging over a fantasy point per minute uh, with Porzingis off the floor. You know, Seth Curry is really cheap here at 4,000. If he ends up, you know, getting the minutes in this game, he he's obviously a guy that could be a difference maker. Um, you know, if if Boban just got minutes in this game, he would he would be like one of the best fantasy players on this slate. Um, so I just don't think he gets the minutes. I, I do think this is an interesting spot for Powell and Keebler. Um, I think they're both in play here. I, I hate that they're a little bit more expensive. Um, you know, Finney Smith. These guys are going to play minutes. Um. You know, like, I just – you don't want to look too much at the Golden State game because it was such a blowout. Um, so, some of these guys that got a little bit of run, you don't want to, like, overreact to that too much. Um, J.J. Barea, like, his minutes are kind of all over the place too. So, you know, Dallas, I, I'm much in, much more interested in the Clippers side of things. So, um, let's talk some roster construction here. You know, showdown slate. You know, I, I think, obviously, you know, roster construction-wise – if you can get Kawhi or Luca um, in the captain spot, it's it's obviously very solid. Um, you know, you're going to have to use guys like you know Shamit and, and those guys that we were talking about um, to make that happen, though. So it, it's really just going to be like, do you feel comfortable with that? Majority of my teams here for the showdown slate because I'm gonna I'm gonna fire some shots here just because the tournaments are just so big for a showdown slate. So, you know, when you're looking at the roster construction of everything, you know, it makes a ton of sense to get these two studs in there just because, you know, they're they're obviously the safest and they have the highest ceilings. Another thing that you could kind of look at here as far as captain spot goes, you could, like, look at playing, like, Lou Williams in the captain spot, and then you could still get in Kawhi and Luka, um, and, you know, you probably only need one value guy if you do that instead of two. So um, that's definitely another way to look at it. Um, again, a majority of my lineups will probably have Kawhi in the captain spot or Luka in the captain spot, one of those two guys. And, you know, just take shots on, like, Shamit. And, like, I, I really wish Harkless would sit. Um, 
it, he's probable. So, uh, you know, he's probably going to end up playing. But, like, McGruder would be so fantastic um, if Harkless was going to sit just because of his price. Um, I just – I don't really see anybody else um, that could be a difference maker here that that is just so cheap. Um, yeah, I just don't see anybody else like, you know – Magruder would probably be the guy like Boban. Like I said, if Boban plays 10 minutes, he's a guy that could put up 20 fantasy points in 10 minutes. Um, not necessarily saying he's going to play 20 minutes in this game or 10 minutes in this game, for instance, but like we just need him to play 10 minutes and then he would absolutely be able to crush. But so yeah, Shamit, I think is going to be your like chalky value play. I think Seth Curry is going to be another guy that's really popular on the slate um, for good reason. But that's where those guys like um, you know Maxi and Powell come in come into play just because um, of their upside in this matchup. So I think they'll definitely be guys you want to look at. So really like Kawhi or Luca in the captain spot. If I wasn't going to play one of those guys in the captain spot, it'd probably be a guy like Lou Williams. Um, but yeah, from playing like twenty teams here, or so I'd say like fifteen to seventeen would probably have one of Kawhi or Luca. Um, just because like I said, the floor and the ceiling is just, you know, if, if any of those cheap guys do anything and you have exposure to those guys to get to the captain spot with Luca or Kawhi, um, nothing else really to talk about on this one, you know, Porzingis obviously matters, uh, because he's 8,200 and if he were to play, I think the biggest downgrade if Porzingis plays, um, would be like a guy like Harrell just because the matchup would be much tougher, but you know, it's, it sounds like he's close, but you know, we'll have to see. He did practice um, fully on Sunday, Monday. What type of minutes is he going to play when he comes back? You know, I I wouldn't, I don't think I'd play Porzingis um, until I see him play like a solid amount of minutes. But I think that when he comes back here, like he'll have a minute restriction um Zubak is the other guy like I think you could look at value wise um I I just wish he was a little bit cheaper here um really wish he was a little bit cheaper all right I had some people submit some questions um you know as far as like just general DFS questions so I'm gonna answer a few of these and then we're gonna call it a day short podcast today like I said hopefully these help um Somebody asked, can you discuss GPP game and contest selection? Like, what's the best way to build a bankroll as a GPP player? I feel like I keep selecting the wrong contest, and I feel like my bankroll isn't going anywhere, thanks. Um, Well, the first thing that I would tell anyone to do that is trying to get better at DFS, and I'm not just plugging this because it's a Roto-Grinders thing, but um, Nicole... Here at Roto-Grinders does a great job on the browser extensions, so I would highly suggest checking out the browser extensions. Extensions. Um, if you just go to NBA, NFL, any any of the, the sites or any of the sports at the top of the page, let's say all tools, just click on where it says all tools. This is a free. This is free. So take advantage of this and click on browser extensions. Um, and you could go, once you get the browser extension set up, you can go on FanDuel and DraftKings 
and you can see I'm waiting for my screen to load. Um, of course, it's not loading fast. So once you do that, uh, if you click on a contest, like I'm going to click on the $40 single entry showdown tournament for today's slate. And it's 145 people. It will tell you all this. It will tell you the rake. It will tell you how much percentage the tournament plays, what the min cash is. So it's 1.5. It tells you how much first plays. So if you're playing, you know, these tournaments, anything in the 23 to 25 plus percent range um, payout wise is a good bankroll building tournament. And you kind of want to see the top 10 be under under about 40%. Ideally, it would be under 30%. And I, I talk about these every day. You, I, I give out contests each and every day on the game selection question, the morning grind game. And I highly suggest paying attention to that part of the game every day um, for anybody that's, you know, trying to do this. So, so for the $40 tournament, like I said, it pays out, you know, 20% to first, which isn't fantastic. Um, you know, and like I said, 23% payout which is solid but only min cash is 1.5 so then if you go to the 15 dollars showdown monster tournament here um the fadeaway you're gonna see that this tournament pays only 21.35 percent first place is 28 and a half percent and top 10 is almost 45 percent so if you're trying to build a bankroll this is not the best tournament in the world for you um you know especially if you're a Small to mid stakes player. Now, if you have been playing these and you're, you know, firing at these and you have a good bankroll and, you know, you've been doing well in these tournaments, I'm not trying to talk you off of those tournaments. I'm trying to say instead of playing that tournament, if you're trying to build a bankroll, go down to the $12 pick and roll, pays 23.4%. Top 10 is less than 30%, you know. So this is a tournament like obviously. Payout wise, if you hit the other tournament, you know, you're going to have a big bankroll moving forward, pay off some bills, stuff like that. Um, but if you're, if you're finding like three teams in that play single entry tournaments, play three different single entry tournaments, play the high five single entry tournament. It pays 23.7% top tens right at 31%. So there's a bunch of these tournaments and, and like, again, Go download the browser extensions. Try to stay under tournaments that are paying so much to first place, like that 100K to first, almost 30% of the whole prize pool going to first. These are terrible bankroll building tournaments unless you bank it, unless you win it. Like if you go out and you win it, congratulations. I'm happy for you. Um, love to see, you know, tweets where people take down those big tournaments, but there's so many different single entry tournaments across the industry. So many three entry, so many 20 entry max. Like there's so many good tournaments that you just every day, every day, I suggest because of the payouts changing each and every day, I suggest every day going through clicking and looking at these tournaments and finding the tournaments that pay a higher percentage. 1% might mean a huge amount when you're looking at, you know, NBA and, you know, you're looking at finishing 20, 25, 30, 40, depending on how many players are in the tournament difference, like, and how many times you've been right at the cash line in one of those big tournaments and not been there. 
because it pays 21% and your finance tournament pays 25%. So that would be my best advice. I hope this helps. Um, I know a lot of people, bankroll management is very tough. Routine is very tough. It's very important to learn. You know, it's something that like I had to learn the hard way. Obviously DFS has changed a lot in the last 10 years, almost 11 years now. I started playing in 2009 so obviously DFS has changed a ton since I started playing. There's the tournaments have changed a ton. You know, they really used to be a lot flatter payouts, um, really missed the flat payouts. So, um, again, like if you're a cash game player too, like, you know, this is another thing you got to be looking at for cash games. You got to be looking at these single entry double ups. You got to be looking at, you know, head to head stuff like that. Like, you know, don't be playing in these double ups that you're facing pros running 150 lineups. Um, you know, guys that do this for a living and playing 150 lineups, you're just, you're just hurting yourself in that. So I highly suggest checking out the single entry. Um, you know, even like the single entry double up today on, on DraftKings for the showdown slate, the $5 single entry that pays 43.5%. So like, it's not even like because of the rake, um, you know, pays 400 spots out of 919. So like, you just have to continue to pay attention. That's again, like I know, um, you know, fantasy draft, that's why, you know, the rake free DFS is very interesting because you do get a full flat 50%. So you just, you just have to definitely pay attention to what you're doing. Um, as far as game selection, I, I really do think that's super important. So pay attention to the games you're entering. Don't just go out there entering, trying to win 100k hey if you hit it you hit it but again like if you're trying to build a bankroll um like i said i hope that was helpful next question we got here tears was my best roi in nfl and i'm doing well in nba as well um what is your game theory for nba like avoid teammates question mark chalky upper tiers and go for high upside low ownership guys and low tiers um just some general thoughts on strategy um so I've, I've done really well with tiers contests. I've talked about them a lot um, on the podcast or in the game selection questions. I think the strategy changes every day. I really wish um, there was a slate up for Wednesday. So just so I could kind of like look at it to kind of just um, go over it. Um, I don't necessarily avoid teammates. I don't, I don't play teammates together a lot um, because like James Harden and like Westbrook, LeBron and AD, um, these guys are usually in the same tiers anyway. Um, you know, I think that we had on Monday, um, Chris Paul and SGA were in separate tiers. And like my original build had SGA and Chris Paul. And then like, I moved off of that um, when the Kyrie news came out, ended up playing Dinwiddie, and Chris Paul ended up crushing him. But I think that, you know, even playing the lower-owned high-tier guys, like usually the high-tier, the first, like, three or four tiers are pretty close as far as, you know, matchups and talent and stuff like that. Um, so... I, obviously I will look at rotor grinders projections and just kind of see if there's anything like immediately standing out in the tiers each and every day. Um, and again, like this is another thing like game selection. Like if you're struggling in the salary format, um, maybe this is a spot that you, 
you know, look at, maybe you look at tiers, maybe you play some tiers contests just to try them out. Um, again, like I feel like the low dollar tiers contests are super soft. I've talked about this many, many times. So yeah, like, so just general strategy for me in tiers, obviously I'm looking for upside. I'm trying to win tournaments. Um, I sometimes will run out, um, like a single entry lineup build and just kind of go safer because I do feel like people take some chances and it will hit. Like I'm one of those people too. So, um, it's just hit or miss as far as like chasing ceiling rather than playing floor. If you're trying to cash every day, I think you look at those floor guys, use projections, kind of just get an idea. I think you'll definitely do better that way. So, um, what is the difference about DFS today as opposed to five years ago? Um, I think there's a huge difference, um, in game, game, selection in general like you know if you think back five years ago you didn't have three hundred thousand dollar tournaments with 100k to first um it was just not tournaments that we we saw um so like obviously that's changed people are getting smarter projection systems are getting better um more stats more people doing like in-depth research each and every day the game has changed because you know people are putting in the time you know, five, five to eight years ago, it was way different. Um, you know, you didn't have all these advanced tools. Like we didn't have court IQ. We didn't have plate IQ to kind of look at. Like I remember doing baseball stats and it taking hours, um, you know, even inputting stuff and like pulling it from all different places to put it into models to, you know, spit out stats and stuff. Like, it would take hours, you know, baseball in general, I feel like is the sport that has changed the most. NBA has changed a lot because, you know, five years ago it was so hard to go and try to find injury news and you'd have to have it up. And, you know, we've, we've become so much better and, and NBA in general, like has just become better um, understanding like how important injury news is. So, I think that's a lot that's changed. I, I think the overall game has changed a lot too. Um, you know, you don't have those 3K guys that fly under the radar um, now where like they did before. So, you know, uh, people have just gotten smarter. I think that's the biggest thing. I think, like I said, projection models and stuff have gotten have gotten better. 150 entries and tournaments. Like, a, a lot of stuff has changed. So... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to change a lot in the next five years. So just got to adjust your game each and every day. I see a lot of people complaining about FanDuel each and every day and how many points it's taken to win tournaments and stuff like that. Why am I not cashing with 400 points? Like FanDuel's game has changed so much from last year to this year with the drop, the score this year with the pricing so soft, you could play pretty much everybody. So like, you just have to adjust to your game. Um, each and every every day and um, obviously it's a huge difference um, between last year and this year so um any thoughts on stacking in nba larger slates six plus games etc um I, I like game stacking i game stack a lot in nba like i currently have a game stack going of the portland golden state game on fanduel um, and it's actually not as high owned as i thought because like they included i think it was like what a nine game slate on fanduel so I, I think that's obviously like 
stacking in NBA is interesting. If you get the right game, like if you game stack a game, and I mean like game stack like 2-1, 3-1, I hardly ever go like 3-2, 2-2 sometimes. Um, like my my normal game stack will be like 2-1 or 3-1. Sometimes I'll do 2-2. Sometimes I'll do 4-2. Um, like my, my stack for the Portland-Golden State game was 4-1. Um, so – there's a lot of different ways that you can approach stacking an NBA. Obviously baseball stacking is very, very, you know, very available. Um, but I, I don't like, you know, slate IQ and stuff like that obviously helps, um, when it comes to stacking an NBA, like I don't think enough people use, um, slate IQ to kind of, you know, take advantage of what it is and, you know, what are the leverage and, roster strategies and stuff like that um what's hit how high is the chalk hit and stuff like that so like you know if you have premium here at roto grinders i highly suggest checking out slate iq each and every day um it's very important i think uh for anybody so again like i feel like i stack three one the most on most slates um i hardly ever do like a three three stack for what it's worth so and I hardly ever do like a three zero or four zero stack too. Um, so I like I said, I typically three one, two two, two one, sometimes three two, depending on the slate. Like, you know, I think the Golden State Portland game was a perfect example of like a three two spot. Um, especially if you were playing on DraftKings and all that injury news and all of that stuff came out, you were able to adjust. Um all right, last question, and then we'll kind of get out of here. Um, how do you approach roster construction from single-entry GPPs to three-entry max? Um, you know, like, for me, I typically will look at who the chalk value plays are going to be. And if I like the play, I'll usually play it, and then I'll kind of maybe go different up top. Um but I feel like single entry tournaments have definitely evolved here over the last few years, you know, payouts have gotten, or like just people playing them, obviously it's changed. There's still an edge in single entry tournaments. Um, you know, I love single entry tournaments. I love three entry max, especially I, I like single entry tournaments the most for NBA because like I play, I usually make a cash lineup and I'll make a single entry lineup and played in some single entry tournaments and stuff like that just because like I don't have time to adjust 150 lineups anymore um so for me I think that you know attacking a single entry tournament knowing like who the chalk's going to be looking at projected ownership I think is very important um you know like LeBron James was chalk you know these guys were chalk um and, and like I want to see where I can get leverage. Like, you know, am I getting leverage fading one of these guys up at the top um, and taking maybe two, seven, like say I'm fading like a 10 gate guy and, and playing two 7k guys instead of a 10k guy and a value guy. Like I feel like there's a bunch of different ways that you could be different with single entry tournaments. Um, but I don't necessarily always feel like you need to fade the chalk in single entry, especially at the value. Like, I'm perfectly fine playing value chalk 
I'm perfectly fine if I feel like there's a value play that maybe I'm on, my research has put me on, that isn't going to be chalk. I think that's definitely important as well um, to, you know, just kind of trust your trust your instincts, trust your guts. Um, to answer Max, like, you know, if you're if you're playing the chalk guy on like two, maybe you fade him on the third. I think there's a, a bunch of different ways that you can approach three entry max tournaments and using your own lineups to kind of leverage yourself. Um, I like the hedge. I, I've talked about this a ton. I hedge a lot in baseball. Like I'll play a pitcher and I'll have a stack against him on another tournament. So I hedge a lot in baseball. I don't hedge as much in NBA as I do in baseball, but you know, baseball I feel like is a sport that anything can happen each and every night. NBA, I do feel like that can happen, but I don't feel like it happens as much. Like the guys that are going to go off usually go off. The guys in good matchups are in good matchups for reasons. So, um, yeah, I, honestly, I could spend hours talking, you know, strategy on single entry tournaments and you know three entry max tournaments and stuff like that. Um, you know, I highly suggest like if you're just getting into playing single entry tournaments, like study results DB you know, download CSVs and tournaments that you're playing in. Like what are, what's winning? What are you doing different? What is, what is hitting? What's not? So a bunch of ways, like you got to put in the time, like you're not just going to come on, fire up a lineup and, you know, win every tournament every night. So put in the time, take your time, get better. Um, it's kind of, it's, you know, if you do play NASCAR DFS, I'm excited. Um, you know, Daytona 500 is really getting close now. The 24 hour race at Daytona is this weekend. So really excited to be announcing, um, like package details and stuff for the NASCAR stuff here at Roto-Grinders and NASCAR premium. It's not part of the regular premium. Um, so, you know, I'll, we'll have pricing up here probably like the third or fourth of February, like right after the Super Bowl. Um, but there's we're we're doing some stuff differently this year, and I'm excited about that. And all that stuff's going to come out. We're we're working on finalizing some details on just everything. So I'm excited to be offering more content this year. Um, you know, I'm excited to definitely you know be working solo and you know just kind of spending as much time as I possibly can on NASCAR each and every week. Um, so. Really excited for NASCAR to be back. Like I said, um, we'll have an announcement probably February 3rd or 4th. We, you know, we'll, we will have content for the Daytona Clash if, if DraftKings or FanDuel um, or any other site puts up com, contests for the Clash. They have the last couple of years. So, um, so yeah, we're going to get rolling here right off the bat and I'm um, going to come out strong and, you know, hopefully we'll crush Daytona. And um, I think the last three or four years, the person that has won the big tournament over there on DraftKings um, has been a subscriber. So ready to crush this season. Again, I wish I could tell you guys more. I'm excited. A lot of stuff is staying the same. I can, you know, definitely talk about that. Like we're going to have, um, you know, the buy the numbers article each and every week where I highlight cash game and tournament plays and value plays. I'll be doing the driver by driver breakdown video each and every week, um, breaking down each and every driver. Like that's not changing. Chat's not changing. We'll have cash and tournament rankings for DraftKings and FanDuel again. Um, projections, projected ownership have been 
completely rebuild we completely rebuilt um the projections model this off season we've been spending a ton of time on that uh behind the scenes so i'm super excited for that in general just because i feel like you know it's going to be even better this season so excited for all that stuff so again you know february 3rd february 4th look for an announcement and let's crush this season so it's going to wrap it up here for Tuesday. We'll be back talking some more NBA on Wednesday. I hope everyone absolutely has a great day, and uh, we'll see you then.